Welcome to the Retail Ramble podcast, brought to you by Essential Retail, the independent voice in retail technology. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching an e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. And that's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com ramble to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com forward slash ramble. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Retail Ramble podcast. I'm Caroline Baldwin. I'm your host and I'm also the editor of Essential Retail. Today I have Adam Freeman. He's the founder of Masky. He started this business back in May and is now making over 25,000 face coverings a week. Sounds like it's a pretty good business to be in right now. Um, Adam, um, thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to hearing a little bit a bit more about your face mask business and um, kind of like your plans for the future as well. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, thanks, Caroline. Busy. Good, I bet. As I say, it's a probably a very good business to be in right now. Although, I, it, it's when it, the kind of the enforcements of face masks came in in July and people were definitely starting to buy them off their own back in June, it wasn't really easy to get hold of. I, I remember seeing um, our um, counterparts in Europe, they were kind of selling them at the checkout, you know, when you were going to your supermarket and they weren't obvious in the UK you know I was trying to keep an eye out for them thinking oh I better get hold of one and it wasn't it was either you know you you might be able to find a surgical mask in if you look really carefully in boots or something like that at the, or at the end of the till or it was a case of you know loads of little craft businesses on Etsy were popping up so um, it's interesting to, to speak to a business that's kind of dedicated to this I presume you guys didn't start on your kitchen table if you're managing to make this many masks um, so in such short a space of time tell me a little bit about how you um, started the business. Yeah, sure. So I, I think you said 25,000 masks a week. We're actually up to about 75,000 a week now. Wow, my stats uh, are completely out of date. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it literally, it's, it's probably the last three or four. It's just the growth has just um, been phenomenal. So um, it's kind of, you know, two probably three months ago, we were making a thousand a week. So it's... <laughs> It's got some, uh, the demand's obviously getting higher and um, we're having to supply quite a lot more. Um, so that'll probably be out of date next week as well. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it pretty much, it, it, it pretty much did start out just um, for my own uh, personal need. Like you said, there was, it was very difficult to get a face mask um that wasn't ppe um so i had a i had a problem with the ppe face masks um firstly i didn't at all feel comfortable wearing them um and secondly the 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 waste disposal of them i think is actually becoming quite a big problem now at the moment Mm -hmm. um which i didn't know then but it's just they they're not recyclable or anything they end up in landfill and obviously if you remember the beginning of the year where the uh nhs were running out of 
PPE equipment, I kind of felt like you're taking it. PPE equipment should remain with the NHS. So yeah, of course. Um, probably back in March or April time, I actually wanted my own uh, face covering. Um, and as you said, that it was near on impossible. And the only the only thing I could find was um, there was some on Etsy, um, but I didn't feel comfortable. There was quite nice designs as well, but I didn't feel comfortable with that because you don't know the origination of it. Um, it could be someone sitting at home or, you know, it's not it's not produced, even if it's produced in kind of hygienic standards and what have you. And then the only other thing left was um, uh, Amazon. And um, there was just like a plain black face mask on there, which I ordered. It took about two weeks to be delivered. And it just turned up this black uh, face covering in your standard Amazon brown paper. And I, it had like a Chinese instructions I couldn't even read. And I just threw it in the bin. Um, I, could, I couldn't actually bring myself to wear it. Um, and that's kind of where it started because I could, you know, I could, for me personally, I know if I felt like I didn't feel comfortable going in a shop um, or out and about without a face mask on, there's got to be other people that feel the same way. And that's um, when I started looking at how I could produce them in the UK. And how did you go about that? So what was the process of um, doing it on this kind of scale? Um, yeah, it was quite lucky, actually. So my, my neighbour had a, um, a suit manufacturing company. And this was kind of right at the beginning of lockdown, probably the, the first two or three weeks into it when everything was shut. And um, his business was quite badly affected because not only was there no pass passing trade, but nobody needed a suit <laughs> yeah. uh, because obviously no one's working. And I, I said to him, like, Oh, I, I told him about my experience of a face mask. I can't get, I can't get any. Could he make them in his factory? And um, that was basically pretty much it. That was a the conversation. Then we kind of moved on to the next subject. And about a day or two days later, um, Russell turned back up at my house in the garden. Obviously, you weren't allowed people in your house, and we were chatting. And he had, he made me like half a dozen of these face masks. Um, and I was just blown away. I was just like, this is amazing. And I was like, how long did it take you? How much did it cost? Could you make thousands of these a week? Um, and it just, it basically just started from there. Um, and at that time, I think, I think he had, so he had probably five or six staff that were furloughed um, at the time. And um, we went through kind of the pricing of them and what he could do. And he got one of the um, people that were furloughed to make them from home. Um, but I said it had to be under strict conditions, like sh she would have to wear a face mask. Once it'd been made, I wanted it stained and then instantly put into like a plastic, like um, into a clear a clear wallet um, to protect it. And um, it basically started from there. Fantastic. And how many people are you employing now then? Oh, gosh. So now we've probably got about 70, I think 65, 70 machinists um they're sitting there that we've brought back um to where we've had to so we're using russell's factory still um mm. but we found another factory in london that was actually before making um clothes for some some really major uk brands that again had had furloughed about 80 90 people so we managed to bring uh, and, and actually made some redundancies as well so we managed to bring uh 65 70 ish people back to work and um, in our warehouse in Essex, we've got about 10 people downstairs. Mm -hmm. um, they deal with kind of internet orders. Um, we do a lot of wholesale, packaging, quality control, customer services, um, that kind of thing. 
So it's a really it's it's a nice bit of good news to be coming out of this um, horrible year that we've had so far. And you you guys, um, so you how are you getting these to people? So you've got quite a snazzy website. You've got had a, a recent deal with W H Smith. Tell us a little bit about um, getting these products in front of people. So again, it was, it was quite a bit of luck. Um, you say you say luck, Adam, but I've, I've, <laughs> little birdie tells me you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur, so I'm pretty sure that it's brains behind this rather than... No, it, it is, of course, it's brains, and it's it's an awful, awful lot of hard work. But at the same time, you, you do need to balance that with a bit of luck. And yeah. for, for, for our case, we um, I, I was thinking, like, it's OK something from the website, but at the time, people weren't really searching for face masks. Um, or face coverings because it wasn't until I, I think it was around the middle of May or the third week in May where the government started talking about face coverings. So back in April, um, back in April when we launched, um, in fact, sorry, it was about a week, the third week of April, because we what I was thinking is how do we get the face masks, um, face coverings out to the public um, without them having to proactively search? So. Um, I can't remember how I came up with the idea, but I thought, let's put them in vending machines. Now, I have no idea about vending machines at the time. Um, so I basically looked around, how can I buy some vending machines? And um, I found a, a company, I, I bought a couple of vending machines. When we had them, it was like, okay, these sell crisps and chocolates. Um, we need to make them sell face coverings. So a um, couple of guys I know, um, kind of engineer backgrounds, we, we took the whole thing apart, we took the refrigeration unit out, and we basically re rebuilt it and uh, put coils in it. Then we got it vinyl wrapped, masky.co.uk on the side, on the front, with people wearing them really colourful. Um, and then I know um, the owner of like our local convenience store, and we put it outside his shop. So that that held about, I think it was about 250 300 um, face coverings roughly. Um, so we put that outside his convenience store and um, it was probably probably about four days later, this machine was selling out like every, when I say selling out, we could only make about 100, 150 a week at that time to fill it up, if that makes sense. We didn't even have it full. And then we was fulfilling just a few internet orders. Um, and then a, a this was in my hometown of Chigwell, a journalist um, that worked for Telegraph, was walking past it every day and saw that it kept selling out the stock it had. And um, she wrote an article about it being the first face mask vending machine in the UK, which it was. Um, and uh, yeah, then we, we got, that was in the Telegraph. The website went absolutely crazy. We must have, that week, we must have sold thousands of face masks just on the back of that. So that's when we kind of bought in more machinists. We had to kind of go up a gear um, and uh, we had a lot more people come through wanting the vending machines for their premises, for their shopping malls and what have you. Um, and it's all kind of spiralled from there. Yeah, I, I see what you mean about a little bit of luck mixed, yeah. in, mixed in there, like just even that journalist walking past and um, that being uh, their hometown. Um, yeah, it's strange how these things happen. So yeah, exactly. I know you said that you obviously got the machinists back and um, which is a, obviously a great story in itself. But how were you able to make 
to, to scale it in the way that you did? You know, were there any points where people were potentially waiting two, two weeks for their masks because it was in this um, this tipping point? Or were you able to um, really scale within a couple of days? Did you kind of take a bet on it? Because when we're talking pre-July, it was, it was before, you know, the government had enforced them. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, the government's not going to do that. And then they did. And they've done a lot of those kind of decisions, haven't they, over the past, exactly. over the past six months where we're like, nah, we're not going to we're not going to be doing that. Oh, yes. Yes, we are. We should have been doing it earlier. Did you just kind of take a bit of a bet on it and start doing it a little bit sooner than you think maybe a competitor would have? Um, yeah, I, I always knew I'd be probably I always said I'd be around six to eight weeks in front. I knew there'd be people behind me because vending machine, you know, the, the vending machine sector um, as such is quite incestual. It's quite a small sector. Everybody yes. knows each other. Yeah. And I know I'm fully aware there was thousands of vending machines out there. So I knew it wouldn't be long before people would put um, face masks and vending machines behind me. I knew I'd have a kind of six week advantage though, because if I said the, the pace and the speed and the planning that we were doing was just phenomenal. Um, and everything was kind of first, we're being first here. And I think for me, I didn't want to just, so I could have, I could have just bought a hundred thousand of these face masks from Amazon or from um, from from these websites you can import from various countries or what have you. Uh, I could have bought them for 20p and I could have stuck them in a vending machine for two or three pounds. Mm. But the, the whole point of this is I wanted to build the biggest branded face mask in the UK. I didn't want to just come in here for a quick profit, make a quick buck and then go away. And I was so my planning was the more face masks we can make, the more face coverings we can make, the more jobs we can do, the more money we can generate. We give like a portion of our profits to a charity. Um, and it's kind of, it's a lot more hard work. Um, but I, I didn't think the people behind me in the vending industry would have kind of the ambitions to build a brand. They would want to make a quick buck because um, that's their business. And that's exactly what they did. They buy PPE and um, they stick it in vending machines. Um, there's no real brand. If you walked past one, you wouldn't remember the name of it. Um, so the whole the whole purpose of the business was to build this trusted brand um, where people want the face mask. And coming back to your question at the beginning, um, I don't think it, it wasn't so much a bet. We were chasing for the first four weeks. We were chasing like every single day, every week. It was it was horrible because you want to give the best customer service you can. But at the same time, that's difficult because when it gets in the paper, when people are going past the machines and ordering and you don't have stock, you're trying to you're, you're always chasing it. And then you can't just bring in a machinist and say, sit there and make these masks. There's a skill to it. So it probably take you a week to train a machinist um, on how to make the uh, actual face covering. Um, so for the first kind of month to two months yeah we were probably like our average orders were probably around four or five days mm -hmm. um we were sending everything by standard post because we couldn't get an account with royal mail because it takes a few weeks to get kind of where they come and collect it for orders and tracking and what have you um we couldn't do that manually because there was too many orders to do it manually if that makes sense so the first that yeah. must have been frustrating time yeah, it was really frustrating because, you know, you, if you want to build the best brand, you've got to put customer service at the forefront of what you do. And, um, you know, I gave away a lot of free masks um, just basically just to say that we're really sorry, but choose another face mask. We offered refunds to everybody. OK, we did. We, I think we gave back less than one percent from people wanting a refund because um, there wasn't much competition. But I definitely gave away a lot of free masks to people that 
kind of we kept waiting for five days um but yeah it was it was very it was exciting but frustrating at the same time um, and and you've had a recent deal with a high street retailer as well and also um your vendor mask shops so tell our audience a little bit about those two things yeah so the the actual vending machines we're probably up to about 80 vending machines now um across the country we're in the science museum um the islington business center um, we've got some really big exhibition centres coming up, although I don't think they're going to be busy for a few more months. Um, and basically shopping centres all up and down the country. Um, we opened our first shop about two months ago, um, so probably around June, July time um, in Woodford. So as you come out of Woodford train station, there, there's a florist there um, and it was closed. Um, the florist was closed. So I, I found the owner and said, look, we should make this a, a masking shop, which we did. Um, and then we opened up a shop in um, Mulberry Street, which is off of uh, Carnaby Street. Um, we've got a shop in Chinatown now. In the Chinatown shop, it's quite cool. We've actually got two, two vending machines in there. Um, so we're going to kind of expand our products, first of all, in the Chinatown shop. We've got a shop in Berwick Street. And we've got a shop in uh, Neil Street as well. So we've got five shops now. And when you say uh, shops, they're not actually um, manned, are they? They don't have staff in them. No, exactly. That, that We've kitted them out. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a new concept in itself as well. It's apparently one of the first shops in the country to not have a sales assistant on site. So you literally go into there, it's kitted out, all branded, masky everywhere. And you'll go up to the um, vending machine, you'll choose your face covering, and then it's all contactless. And we've got like a sanitizer station as well. So, you know, if you think if you're pushing the buttons, once you've done your transaction, got your mask out, you can then sanitize your hands. I see. Um, so, yeah, we've, we're up to five shops. We should have 10 shops by the end of October. Um, we've just we just signed a really exciting partnership um, that's going to give us five shops by the end of October and hopefully more as well. Fantastic. And obviously, you know, we're still peak at the moment, you know, more restrictions are coming in, we're heading into winter. I think everyone thought that, um, you know, that the, sum, the summer, a little bit of freedom and such was um, wouldn't necessarily last. And that said, you know, throughout the whole summer, we've still had to wear face coverings. I think this is going to be with us for quite, quite a while until the magic bullet of a vaccine comes in. Um, what the thing is, is say tomorrow they do have a vaccine and, you know, by Christmas, everyone's um, vaccinated and and um, crossing fingers that 2021 is COVID free. How do you expect to pivot the business away from masks? You know, because right right now it looks like it's um, it's it, it must be really lucrative. You're in a really good position being one of the first in the UK to expand in this kind of way. But are you kind of not obviously worried about a vaccine coming in in that kind of sense? But what, what are you what are your plans for the business if that does overnight change? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, it's actually, I'm actually really excited. You know, if I had the choice to, to to not have COVID or the vending machines, you know, I'd rather not have not have COVID. It's it's, yeah. it's um, devastating what this virus has done and is doing. Um, but it's I'm I'm kind of quite a forward thinker. So by by the end of this year, my aim is to have about 200, 250 uh, masking machines out there in the UK um across the whole country and if you look at that that's within six to seven months you've built a network of retail space 
okay, admittedly, it's a metre and a half by a metre and a half, but that space holds 300 products. Mm -hmm. So even if you look at it right now with, with our machines, if the average machine's holding 300 products at one time and you've got you know, 80 machines, I've already got 25,000 products at any one time available across the UK. Um, you know, I've got some really exciting plans for the future as well. If we're in prime positions in shopping malls and what have you, you know, I, I do hope there'll come a point next year when no one wants or needs a face mask, um, you know, because it's, you know, the longevity on this, it's not going to last forever. And this, this virus is, as I said, it's devastating. But what you've then got is real estate where you can sell a multitude of products. It's definitely not going to go to crisps and drinks. Um, <laughs> But we've got some really exciting ideas and we're talking to some um, companies and uh, corporations at the moment. So this is going to be the next product in the machines because it's good for that. Like the shopping mall, for example, if you look at a shopping centre, um, you know, now getting rent from one of their shops, this is a metre and a half space that could earn them thousands of pounds a month if the product's right. Um, and uh, it's just forward thinking, what is the next product going to be in the masking machines? I see. And um, yeah, a little bit of background for our audience. So um, am I right in thinking you were on The Apprentice, what is it, 11 years ago, did I calculate, which seems like forever ago? <laughs> I, I was meant to be, but I, I was a guy that kind of quit at the beginning. I uh, see. They wouldn't let me see my family or speak to my family. And you know, I just had like a two month old daughter, my middle daughter. Um, so I was kind of no, this isn't for me. <laughs> so, but, cl but clearly, if you got that close, this is you know this is kind of in your blood, and it's what you what what you what you do. What um, what else have you been up to for the last like decade? Um, so my main business is finance. Um, so I've run a company called Mr Lender. I set that up about eleven years ago. Um, that's that's in fact that's based. We, we actually moved offices in November last year. Um, we've got about 30,000 square feet. So the top floor is the finance company. And now downstairs, about five months ago, it was empty. <laughs> and it's now full up of boxes, uh, face coverings, and some machines down there. Um, probably about 30 vending machines at the moment. So it's kind of um, running both from this building. But yeah, finance. Um, finance is my background for the last 10, 11 years. See, so is this your kind of first forte into um, into retail? Yes, it is. I always actually said to myself, I'm never, because before this I had a phone company um, and I've, I've had two or three businesses that I've built and sold. And I've always said to myself, I'm never going to get involved in retail. <laughs> um, God, but it's, it, it is, we love it and it's brilliant, but it is so challenging, like every single week. That, and it's exciting challenges though. So we'd have someone come to us in a week, we've seen you, um, we've read about the vending machines, we've done this and we want to do a collaboration and every opportunity is so exciting, but the planning for it, because you're restricted to what you can produce and we're not going to go to PPE or medical equipment, we're going to always stand by our brand and manufacture top class products. Um, so it's like, it's really frustrating when you're getting these opportunities and I'll never let one go. Um, I'm like a, a dog with a bone. It's like you would do everything to make the opportunity happen. And uh, it's just coming away from the place where you're, you're chasing it. But you're just trying to make things happen, if that makes sense. Of course. I guess there's quite a lucrative um, branding opportunity as well. Imagine if you had it kind of in, a, I don't know, a, a stadium, which is the home ground for a certain football team and they wanted it all in certain colours. And is that the kind of opportunities you're you're talking to people about? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly where it's going at the moment. We've already done um, probably 
50 or 60 branded um, partnerships that we did. We, we did about, I think, 500 maskies recently for Labutin, actually, for uh, all our staff and offices and what have you. Um, but there's kind of, you know, there, there's, it is kind of that directions for the actual face coverings. And then it's kind of, we, we started looking at new products that fit into the current climate about a month ago. And then I'd say in about 12 months, probably summer of next year, is when we'll be looking at the next product that's kind of away from COVID that we're going to be putting in the machines. Exciting. Well, as soon as you're able to share any details on that, please do um, get in touch and uh, we'd love to update our listeners. So um, just before we kind of wrap things up, what do you think, it, what's your thought for someone who said that they'd never get involved in retail, but seems to be doing a really good uh, first stab with it? <laughs> um, you know, it's been a bit of a, a, a tough, few, a tough few months for this industry. You know, it's been heartbreaking for us writing um, stories about um, the, the the industry just being devastated by COVID as, as are many other industries. Industries. but what's your are you hopeful for the future of retail what's your what's your kind of like crystal ball perspective in uh, for this industry uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult question to answer retail so so varied isn't it it's such a big it's such a wide variety of um such a wide variety of different um items and services and what have you i think like anything it will it will absolutely come back <clears throat> um you know, retail's been here forever and it will be here forever as well. It's just, I think at the moment it's difficult. I think, um, you know, I think it's difficult to say where it's going, but I think one of the things at the moment, what frustrates me is, um, is the general public that are, are going into shops and causing grief about not wearing face coverings. Because for, for me, it's like you've got the, the frontline workers and the staff, they're wearing them like 10, 15 hours a day. And you've got the people working in shops it sounds dramatic they're putting their lives at risk but you've got someone working in a retail shop at the moment and it's like you've got tens or hundreds of people going into that shop you know us as as human beings we have to have respect that those people are kind of on the front line of retail oh 100 you, you know for five ten minutes just cover your face go in the shop and come out and stop moaning about it it's um you know that's not a sales but i don't care where you get your face covering from i'm not that's not a sales pitch, but I think for retail, you know, I was reading before that there's kind of a lot of retailers are saying this is going to end retail, this is going to finish us. But you've got to, I think you've got to look at the people working in the shops. It's, you know, they're, they're frontline retail workers. They are and, definitely 100% uh, frontline workers and have really just, you know, from kept us being fed at the worst part, worst part of lockdown and anything else. Absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, it, you know, I think it, it will come back. Um it will come back and um i think we just we just got to eradicate this virus somehow yeah definitely and um any tips for people that are struggling with their face masks i know some people have been saying that um you know wearing them with glasses they, they all fog up or um, any way to to make people out there a little bit more uncomfortable have you got anything up your sleeve uh so my mum wears glasses and she's found a good technique actually like with any face mask i think if you kind of it doesn't look as good as if you don't do this, but if you kind of put it over your nose quite uh -huh. high, so your glasses are resting on the face mask, um, that seems to work for her. Um, so, but there is, you know, there is, I do read a lot of frustrations with that. There's not like a one a one fits all solution to that. Um, 
No, but as you say, it's 10 minutes, so wear your mask, people. Let's uh, let's get through this as we can. Um, and um, Adam, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. It's been really interesting. Um, we've got one question that we ask all of our guests before we let them go, um, which is what is the one buzzword that's been circulating your industry recently that's been driving you absolutely bonkers and you just wish you could never hear it again and ban it? Uh, PPA. <laughs> oh, <my> God, PPA. <laughs> PPA, definitely. Keep it for the NHS and, uh, yeah, save it from landfill. It just it drives me mad. I think, um, yeah, PPA, there you go. Perfect. Well, Adam, thank you again so much for uh, chatting to us this morning. Um, yeah, really interesting business, really interesting to hear what's um, going to be coming down further down the line. Um, hopefully it won't be needing to sell masks for very much longer and you'll be doing some other exciting stuff as well. Um, to our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Retail Ramble podcast. We'll be back with you with another episode in two weeks time. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more online shopping recently. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash ramble to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash ramble.